Hallelujah. We gave God thanks for all the all the ways that He has kept us. All the ways that He has been benevolent unto us. But we want to give thanks for them who suffered loss. Unto whose family tragedy came like a flood. We prayed for a family last week. Traveling with his wife. Went for the burial of his father. Lost the desire of his eyes. What gives strength unto a Christian? As I was asking the Lord on, on this next passage that we are going to look at in our study in First Peter. I was asking the Lord, how does this apply to our setting? How does this come alive in the Bread of Life Fellowship? How can it be applied? What's the, what's the purpose of this message? What's the purpose? How does this passage bring Meaning unto us in this congregation. Because you are going to read from 1 Peter 2, verse 4 onwards. But we'll take a moment to thank God. Thank God for, on behalf of them who even suffered loss. Because the Bible says, and this is God's will concerning you. That you give thanks in all things. So let's just rise up and we'll give thanks with a cheerful heart. Not with, not being grim. Let's give God thanks. Because it's a joy to give God thanks. Father, we want to thank you. We give you thanks, O Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you for them that have moved on into eternity. Father, for there are many. There are many whom we would meet at your feet. God, in all this, your purpose cannot be defeated. Father, that is what we learned, that, that your purposes cannot be defeated. Therefore, we give you thanks. We give you thanks, O Lord, for the lives, for the days that they lived here on earth. We give you thanks, O God, for the losses that, they, that their near and dear ones would have suffered. Father, because through all this, you have kept them. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. 
my future. And life is worth the living God because He lives. God sent His Son. Thank you, Lord. Called in Jesus, He came to love. Thank you, Lord. He land forgive. God, we bless Your name. He lived and died. Thank you, God. We bless your name. Lord, we are saved. An empty grave is proof to prove my Savior lives. Because He My future. 
Yes, God. This life is worth the living just because He Because you live, Lord, we bless your name, O Lord God. We give thee thanks, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy praise Streams of mercy never Oh, to grace how 
blessing would be open today. Lord, and our wanderings would cease this day in the name of Jesus. Father, we have sung that you are our Ebenezer, our rock of health, our fortress, the one on whom we have staked our life. Father, indeed, there are those that are grieved We pray that you would be a rock of comfort unto them. For them that are rejoicing, I would pray that you would shield their joy forever in the name of Jesus. And now take our hearts, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy coats above. In Jesus' name, amen. Please, you may take your seats. We will turn to First Peter, chapter 2. We'll read from verse 4 onwards. And it says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, But in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, Chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him. 
will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stones that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a rock of stumbling, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God will have multiply blessings to the reading of his word. Let's bow our hearts once again in prayer. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have some amongst us who have faced unspeakable pain. There's a family that buried their child days and weeks after the birth. And there are some that have not been able to bear children. Last week I received an email which says that and God has blessed me to bear seven children but I have only two pairs of shoes. Two tiny pairs of shoes in my shoe closet. That means that five of them died. And she was reading from Colossians chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 which says that and God has a purpose for my life. And she was saying that one of her children was she held the child for 212 days and then the child was buried. So she had written that it was as if God had sent a message to the baby and said, mission accomplished, come home. And then God had also written, P.S., I'm still working on your mother. When you come to a portion like this, in 1 Peter chapter 2, how do you bring it to a congregation wherein people have suffered loss? While you also find a couple of people who stepped up today to be prayed for. On the one hand, you have people who have suffered great tragedy and yet held Jesus as precious. And there's another group of people who are pushing forth more into service. Now, isn't that wonderful? I mean, the truth of life is that tragedies come. But the truth of scripture is that it cannot change God's purpose. That's what the scripture is all about. That's what I find, especially for the Bread of Life Fellowship in 2013, that this message, I ask the Lord, is this what you want? Is this the purpose of this text this, this morning for the church? And the Lord confirmed it and he said for a time such as this, this is the message and this is what 
we want to learn from here, it's because the believers have held Jesus as precious. And that's what I want you to see from verse 7. Now this, this whole passage is packed with so much that we might not be able to cover the entire truths contained over here. But you find that in the first two verses, verse 4 and 5, Peter is bringing a thought and then it is expanded using Old Testament references. And again the thought is finalized in verse 9 and 10. So it's the same thought that Peter repeats twice. First in verse 4 and 5 and then in 9 and 10. But in between he squishes, he brings in the Old Testament to authenticate what he is saying. But the key verse for us in the midst of struggles where why doesn't a family that struggles cast away their faith? Or what causes a person to press forward more into service? Like we find that one of the brothers who stepped up today to get prayed over buried his wife this year. Lost his wife this year. The desire of his eyes. But yet, what causes him to step forward and press more into service? It's because verse 7 is true for him. Verse 7 says, and for those that believe, he is precious. Is Jesus precious unto you this morning? The more that the Lord is precious unto you, the more you would press yourself for the cause of God. The more yourself is precious unto you, the more you would reject Jesus. That's what I gain from this passage. And that's what I want to leave with the bread of life for a, a time such as this. And that's the import of the Old Testament two passages that are given over there. Three in fact. But we would look at, let's, let's first look at the Old Testament, these passages, and let's find out what was Peter thinking. Number one, we find that he brings out from Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28 is a chapter wherein people had rejected God's ways and they had formed their own ways. And unto them, Isaiah says that the stone which the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. Behold, I lay in Zion. That means I'm doing something in Zion. We read verse 16. And that's where this is taken from. Or you could look at 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter 2, 6. I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious. And he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. So what, is, what does it say unto us? It says, it's not just, Peter is not bringing this Old Testament just to say, now you know that 
where I got the word rock from. I got it from Isaiah 28. No, that's, that, that would not be a, a complete explanation of why he took this particular Old Testament passage. He took it because he wanted us to focus on the last part. It says that you shall not be put to shame. People who have lost jaws, people who have suffered tragedies, you will not be put to shame. Now that's the truth of this passage. It says that, and when you see this rock, you build your life upon this rock, you crawl under this rock, you hide behind this rock, you will not be put to shame. That's the truth of this passage. When you build your life upon Christ, you will not be put to shame. But verse 7, look at verse 7, it says that, Therefore he who believes, he is precious. Now Peter should have stopped there. Why did he bring in a negative, but for them that disbelieve, a A comparison. What was the purpose of bringing forth a comparison? And again, that comparison serves to glorify God even more. If you look at this, the comparison over here is that, but to those who are disobedient, and then he brings in Psalm 118.22, which Jesus himself quoted when he was talking about the parable of the vineyard. He said that, and the stones which the builders rejected had now become the cornerstone. That means that you take Jesus and you look at him and you reject him. You say that he is worthless. He is not my Messiah. You could beat him. You could slap him. You could spit on his face. You could take him to Golgotha. You could crucify him on the cross. But God says that my purpose will not be defeated. So I hope that the unbelievers who are here in the church today would hear this word. And I pray that you would take warning from this passage because this passage says that you cannot ignore Jesus. It says over here that, and therefore to you who believe he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stones which the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And... A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. If you have not trusted Jesus, if you have rejected Jesus, if you are going your own way, you cannot defeat God. And that's also an encouragement for all of us who, who witness to others. Maybe you are sitting in a plane and you are witnessing to the person sitting next to you, you're in your office witnessing to someone, and he rejects Jesus. He says, your claim is invalid. Now you need not walk out with your head hung low. Poor Jesus, he got rejected. Have you ever felt like that? Oh, I wish that he would accept Jesus. Don't pity Jesus, because he is the winner. In this passage it says that, and this very stone that they are rejecting, they would find that he is the cornerstone upon which they should have built their life. 
This is the stone upon which you and I have built our life. And that's why we have become a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. God's own special possession. Once we were not a people, now we are God's people. Once we did not obtain mercy, now we have obtained mercy. Therefore, we offer spiritual sacrifices unto the Lord. You see, the same rock is the only rock. Paul says that no other foundation can any man lay other than that which is already laid. And if anyone comes and preaches unto you a gospel other than the gospel that I have preached, let him be accursed. Jesus himself says, I am the door. And all who do not come through this door, you see, there are various pictures in the Bible. You need to get this picture. Jesus says, have you, have you pictured Jesus as a door? It's got a lintel. It's got door posts. And Jesus says, I am the door. And those who have come other than the door, they climb the wall. I want you to picture this person climbing the wall in his own self-righteousness. Jesus is here saying, hey, I am the door. No one comes to the Father, but through me, but by me, I am here. But the man says, no, I reject you. He climbs the wall. The moment he thinks that he is on the top of the wall, the height of the wall has gone up. You see that in our neighbors. Because they say that I need my own self-righteousness. I will work my way to my God. Because the moment he thinks that I have worked now, the height of the wall has just gone up. Why do people reject Jesus? Because to walk through the door means bowing your head to Jesus. Building your life on the rock called Jesus means that you have to throw out your own plans. You have to abandon your own ambitions. I don't know if how many of us have built houses or you're waiting for mansions in heaven. Like me. Maybe some of you want a temporary dwelling place over here which will be eaten by fire any day. That's good to know. But then if you've built a house, if you've decided on a blueprint and the supervisor comes and he lays a cornerstone and then you go back home and you discuss with mama and mama says that she wants it in a different way, you come to the supervisor and you tell him, excuse me Baba, can you remove this? He would say, find another person to do it. Because it cannot. It determines the shape of your building. I want you to understand this. That's what Jesus is saying. That I want to determine the shape of your building. And another phrase that caught my attention is, you are being built up. Did you see that? That's there in verse 5. You are being built up. That gives me a lot of comfort. You know why? That tells me that I am an unfinished work resting upon the finished work of Jesus. 
That means that I am work in progress. That means that I could put a label on my chest saying, caution, God at work. A tremendous verse upon which you and I can rest our lives. It says that we have not rejected Jesus. We have come to him. We have built our life upon him. Our life is founded and shaped by this cornerstone. And now I am being built. Verse 4 says, coming to Jesus. Now that does not mean just, just coming and visiting. It means coming to stay. Abide in me and I in you. Then you shall bear much fruit. That coming to Jesus happens in verse 4. And when you come to Jesus, He is the living stone. You automatically, on contact with this living stone, become living stones. Though it talks about the corporate, about the church. But also individually, you have become a living stone. Yourself. And the good news is, God is shaping you. The master builder is in progress. He's making a masterpiece out of you. And then you stake your life upon Jesus. You stake your life upon the Lord and you say, God, whatever comes, I'm not going to leave you. And the Lord says, now you're ready to offer spiritual sacrifices. Have you considered that the loss of your wife, sir, could work as a spiritual sacrifice? That you lift up your hands and you say, God, I thank you for the years you gave me a partner. And now that she is in your presence, I know that she has stopped serving in the tabernacle, now she is serving in the palace. I know that one day I will meet her. That when you are broken, when you don't have any other assurance, Still you lift up your hands and you say, praise the Lord. We know what our spiritual sacrifices are. We, we've read that in Romans 12. It says that we give our bodies as a spiritual sacrifice. Our thanksgiving is a spiritual sacrifice. But have you considered that your pain is a spiritual sacrifice? Have you considered that the the trials that you go through may turn around to be a spiritual sacrifice. Have you considered that the Lord is worth your struggles? Because Jesus is precious unto God and verse 7 says, Jesus is precious to me. Verse 7 says, unto them that believe he is precious. So why don't you cast your faith and run away? Why don't people run away when they have troubles? People out there, they do run away. They have different types of things in which they take comfort. But for us we say, but here Lord, you are my Ebenezer. I stake my life upon you. I stake my life upon you. That's the truth. That we find over here. Unto them that are disobedient. The same rock that they rejected. 
has now been resurrected. And that's why we sang, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Now that's the truth of the scripture. And we find three quick things before we move on. Number one, we have Christ for our sure foundation. We find that from verse 4, and we also find that in verse 6, that we have Christ for our sure foundation. Number two, we come to Christ and we are built upon Him. We come to Christ, we remain in Christ, and we continue to be built upon Him. And three, we are called to offer spiritual sacrifices. Therefore, do you have an identity crisis this morning? Have you wondered, who am I? If you ask someone, who are you? He would most probably tell his name. And then you say that, I didn't ask your name. I asked, who are you? I didn't say, I'm an engineer. I didn't ask your profession. Who are you? Um, I'm my wife's husband. (laughs) That's a worthy title. I mean, where is your identity linked? What have you staked it upon? Is it upon the number of degrees that you have after your name? It will fade away. There will come someone who's got one or two more than you. Then what? Is it the position that you're sitting in in office? Haman was removed in one evening. So what do you stake your life upon? Do you have an identity? Let me assure you from these verses that you do. Your identity says that in verse 9, you are chosen. You could puff your chest out and you could say, God chose me. God chose me. I don't know why he chose me, but he chose me. I might not be the sharpest knife in the drawer, but God chose me. And I'm not complaining, I'm glad he chose me. Because I could not make it on my own. Number two, God pitied me. That you find in verse 10. It says that you who did not find pity, you who did not find mercy, now have mercy. This is found from the book of Hosea. In the book of Hosea, God tells Hosea to go and marry Gomer. Gomer is a picture of faithless Israel. Hosea is a picture of God himself who marries faithless Israel. And then Gomer goes on her wanderings. And God tells Hosea, the child that will be born unto you, the first child you should name Loruhama, not my people. That you find in verse 10 over here. You were not a people. But now you are God's people. You find Loami. These 
these pictures give you an identity. Number one, you are chosen. Number two, you have been pitied. Number three, you have been possessed. Possessed by God. Of course, the Bible says that all things belong to the Lord, but not all things submit to God right now. But you have given yourself in total submission unto God. Number four, you are royalty. That's your identity. Paul says that you've been seated in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that you are heirs and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. That makes you royalty. You're the son of a king that makes you a royalty. A royal priesthood. And then you are a priest. In all sense of the truth of the Bible, you are a priest. We sang that I enter the Holy of Holies. We find that in the Old Testament, only one person could enter the Holy of Holies and that too once a year and not without the shedding of blood. But Hebrews chapter 4 says that and now we have bold access into his presence through the blood of Jesus. And finally, your identity is that you serve the living God. I don't know if that excites you or not. He is the greatest employer. He will not fire you. Unless you choose to be fired. He always promotes you. He doesn't demote. You get stagnated over there. Somebody gets promoted. You feel you are demoted. He is the best employer. And the pays are out of the world. Literally. Therefore, this passage for a time such as this is that keep moving on, brother. That's the bottom line. The gist, the summary of the whole passage is keep doing what you're doing. And for those who have rejected Christ, I plead with you, don't keep doing what you're doing. Would you accept Christ? Because He is the only way. If you want to know more about how He is the only way, I'd be glad to talk with you later. But don't ignore Him because He is now On the mercy seat. But for your sake. If you reject him. He would come to the judgment seat. But for those who are faithful. Keep doing. What you are doing. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes, examine ourselves. What God has spoken to to you is it is a personal. From the beginning of this morning, God is continually speaking about righteousness. 
It is God who prepared this thing. It's God's will that we will receive everything in abundance. If you if you feel that you disobeyed God in anything or hide anything in the presence of God, it is a time to confess before Him. The Bible says when we are in darkness, He sees us in the light. Darkness covers us, but Jesus came as the light. All the promises what He has spoken to us today is a privilege for God's children. God's promises are a yes and amen to us. We are the chosen generation, the royal priesthood, the holy nation. People belongs to God. That is a blessing. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, you are speaking to us personally, heart to heart, from the beginning till now, O oh Father. You have spoken to us. This is the word that you prepared for us as a blessing. Yes, Lord, when we examine ourselves in your presence, we know, Lord, from, by, from our heart, who we are. Even though your promise says to us that we all belong to you. Lord, in our conscience we know to how far and how long we all belong to you. Lord, if anything hindering us coming closer unto you, Lord, remove all the obstacles which is between you and us, O Lord. Lord, concerning even loving you and having a relationship with you, by studying your word, meditating your word, Lord my God, knowing you and serving you. Please, Lord, help us to come closer unto you. As you already sent your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, as a mediator between you and us, Lord, he is there always. Lord, the blood was already shed for our behalf. Lord, let us be united by that blood. Cleansed us by the same blood. Washed us by the same blood. Yes, Lord. Lord, help us to receive every blessing that you promise in abundance of Father. In the mighty name of Jesus. It is for your glory. Lord, it's a privilege for us to become your chosen children of Father. There are many in the world, they are lost, but we are chosen among the lost ones. But we are, that's why we became precious to you. Thank you, Lord, that you are chosen as such a precious stone as to be kept in your house of Father. Father, thank you for your son and your servant whom you used. Thank you, Lord, that the word that you put in his heart Lord, let the anointing be with him and abundance in the days to come so that will help 
and being a blessing for many to receive your word, O oh Father. Bless this family. Lord, as you bless each and every one of us, help us to, Lord, be a channel of blessing for many to share the word that you have spoken to us today so that we will be a partakers of sharing your blessings to other people. Yes, dear Father, as we are going to depart from this place, take us safely to our respective home. Once again, we remind you and all remember every forthcoming program of Father. In everything it is our plan and program, it is all for your glory alone, O Father. Hide us behind your cross. Help us to exalt your only holy name. In the mighty, wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we offer this prayer. Please stand up for the benediction. Let us share the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Go in the peace of God.